marvelous, wonderful, infinite, author of all that is good, faithful provider and giver of life, source of all power and love. Great is the Lord and most worthy of praise, refuge of strength to the earth, righteous Good morning. Isn't it wonderful to know that there is an anchor of hope available? And it's an anchor that will never slip. It will always hold us fast. And we can be held fast, held safe, and secure in the arms of our Savior. And I can't think of a better way to to start our time of, of worship than to reflect on that. And I welcome you in the name of the Lord Jesus. It's our pleasure to be able to gather here together in this place at this time. We're thankful um, to the nation that we live in for the freedom that we have to worship. We're thankful to the Lord for the health that he has blessed us with to be here. And we're also thankful to the Lord for each and every smiling face that we look around and see, or sleepy face, half-awake face, um, and all things in between. We are thankful that we can gather together as God's people. And so that means 
We're glad that you're here, whether you're a visitor or whether you're a regular member. It's good to see you. Each one of us adds to the, the body and to the worship that we offer to the Lord. If you do happen to be visiting with us this morning, it's our pleasure that you join us here. We are so thankful that you would choose to spend a Sunday here with us, and we hope you feel at home. There's a little tan card in the, in the bulletin that we call the Connect card. It gives you a great way to communicate with us, to ask questions. You can update your contact information. You can share prayer requests, which is one of the most useful things about the card. So if there's something that you are praying about or would like us to pray about with you to join in prayer, just list that on the card. And then here in a couple of minutes, the, the deacons are going to come around and take our offering. And you can just drop that in the offering plate and it'll go on to the church office. Just as you're marking those prayer requests, just indicate on there if it's okay to share that or if you'd rather us not share that through email and we'll honor you with that. Um, there's just a couple of other things I want to remind you of um, before um, our, our students come and not only share a, a, a memory verse, but also <clears throat> a word of testimony. First thing, just reminder, men, men's breakfast tomorrow morning, 6.30 a.m. at the Elk Diner. Um, we not only get to um, enjoy breakfast, we contribute to um, the business there of Elk Diner, but it is also an excellent way to start the week um, in fellowship and in prayer as men. So if you are able and willing, we'd love for you to join us tomorrow morning, 6.30 at Elk Diner. Also, just want to um, keep something in front of us so we don't soon forget. We introduced last week, and we'll be continuing for the next ser- series of weeks, um, an emphasis on evangelism. It's called Who's Your One? And so last week, you were introduced to a bookmark that looks just like this, and there's a, there's a question that says, Who's Your One? And there's a blank. And what I um, encouraged everyone to do was think of one person that you're in contact with, on a regular basis, that as far as you know is not in a relationship with Jesus, to begin to pray for that person, and as you spend time with that person, look for opportunities to share um, the gospel, the good news about Jesus. Now, along with that, to help you, there is a 30-day prayer guide, and we still have several of those available, and also this bookmark has the Bible verses and days you can check off. And so as we work together, our hope is that God would just renew in us Um, a desire and a passion to go out, not only to reach out to our neighbors, but also to the nations in the great job that he has given us to go and make disciples. Um, All during the last month, um, our youth in Sunday school have been working on scripture memory, and they've been working on a rather lengthy section of the book of Philippians. And so um, I invited them to share that with you this morning, and they were in such wholehearted agreement um, about it that they were bursting with um, excitement and zeal and passion. Um, no, actually, they are, they're, they're excited to be able to come and share that with you. Um, some of them have been through all the weeks, some of them through different weeks, but each of them has worked diligently on that. And so I want to ask them to come up, and they're going to share from you from Philippians. And then afterwards, um, Zoe and Sitka are going to share a word of testimony about a service Um, opportunity that they had during last week. So y'all come on up and share with us. And you can clap for them because this takes guts.
Amen. Thank y'all so much. Y'all can be seated except for Zoe and, and Sitka. And I have a microphone for y'all. So y'all can stand down there. Y'all don't have to come all the way up here. So, y'all. so this Tuesday, um, my family and Sitka's family had the opportunity to um, take cold water bottles to uh, people who needed them uh, that afternoon. It was around 2 o'clock, so it was really hot. And we took um, two ice chests full of cold water bottles to workers and, you know, just generally everybody who was outside <laughs> looked like they needed some water. Um, we had... Yes, we were out there for about an hour and a half, and we gave away around 70 water bottles. So that was good. Uh, we had the opportunity to share who we were because somebody asked us, you know, what we were doing it for, are we raising money? And we told them that we were just out there handing out water bottles, and we told them we were the youth group and we were, what church we were from. So that was cool. Well, thank you all ladies for for sharing that it's interesting in the world that we live in that even simple acts of kindness that we would take for granted are often um, responded to with a bit of skepticism um, I don't know if you've encountered it but even I've had battles with folks about holding the door open you know um, it's like some people go out of their way to not let you hold the door open for them to come in and so um, when we when we do things that um, that are in the, the model of our Lord Jesus when we serve, um, people notice, and it makes a difference. So, um, and those little things build up over time. And so we're thankful for those seeds that are sown, and, and maybe the next time somebody stops by one of those construction sites and does a kind deed or has a, a word of encouragement, they'll remember about that cold, that bottle of cold water, and the Lord will use that um, to make a difference in their, their lives. So thank you. And thanks for sharing the verse with us. Y'all did a great job. Um, I'd like us to read this morning from John chapter 1, and we'll start reading in verse number 35 and read through verse 42, continue looking at sections of Scripture that deal with Jesus calling his disciples to, to follow him. And after we read from these verses, our deacons will come and we'll receive our, our offering. But listen as John writes, John chapter 1, starting in verse number 35. The next day, again, John was standing with two of his disciples, John the Baptist, and he looked at Jesus as he walked by and he said, Behold, the Lamb of God. The two disciples heard him say this and they followed Jesus. Jesus turned and saw them following and said to them, What are you seeking? And they said to him, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? He said to them, Come and you will see. So they came and saw where he was staying, and they stayed with him that day, for it was about the tenth hour. One of the two who heard John speak and followed Jesus was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He first found his own brother Simon and said to him, We have found the Messiah, which means Christ. He brought him to Jesus. Jesus looked at him and said, You are Simon, the son of John. You shall be called Cephas, which means Peter. Gentlemen, will you come and lead us as we pray?
join with me in prayer. Most gracious Lord and Heavenly Father, we come before you today giving you praise and glory for being the one true God. And we just thank you for your love that you have for us and the Savior through your Son Jesus and his shed blood to atone our sins. Father, we thank you too for the reprieve that you have given us from the heat. We just ask that you would continue with us each and every day. Be with us today in our worship service, worship team, as they lead us. May we just put you in our hearts and bring joy to you. And be with Brother Rusty as he delivers the message today. May his words from you reach each and every one of us. Now, dear Lord, take our offering freely, and we do pray in your Son Jesus' blessed name. Amen. The See You at the Pole is uh, something that happens every September uh, around our country, and uh, it's coming up pretty soon. I think September the 22nd, and uh, so I wanted to share with you guys a song I wrote about See You at the Pole. It's called uh, Whispering Warriors. Fighting alone against the wind Stars and stripes Red, blue, and white Underneath a bruised and broken Stepping to that battle line again Hand in hand Together as one man Whispering warriors Tearing down the spirit of the age With shields and swords Bloody knees so sore Laying down their lives for just one
Would you stand and sing with us this morning?
Thank you. You may be seated. You know, we could get together and sing about a lot of different things. We could raise our voices and sing with beautiful harmonies and feel really great about our vocal talents. But there's nothing better than to gather together with a group of people that are followers of Jesus and sing praises to His name because it is truly the name that is above every name. And if you don't find yourself getting excited in your spirit as you speak and sing the name of Jesus, it's time for you to maybe take a moment and do a little spiritual self-check and ask the Lord what might the problem be. Because He is a good shepherd. He is Lord. And He loves each and every one of us. I was thinking, I told you last week a little bit about my sheep predicament at our farm. Um, I thought on Thursday that I had remedied the problem, on, actually on Friday, that I had remedied the problem. I patched the hole, the sheep were gone, only to return yesterday. Um, there were five instead of eight. The dog was not with them, and I went out into the pasture and Like happy little puppies, they just came running up to me, eager to see what might be in store. And I just shoot them toward the fence, found the hole that I had patched. And because I didn't know where they had made their way through, I undid the panel and I let them go back through the place that they had came through. Put the board back up, thought everything was done. And as Samara and I were pulling out of the driveway, I looked back and... There they were again. Later in the afternoon, I get a call from my cousin who had received a text from our neighbor and said, do y'all have sheep? Because they're out. And so they had crawled under the barbed wire of our pasture and were apparently out on the road. And being a good country neighbor, she put them back in our pasture. So our sheep are home now. I did learn from the county extension agent that right now sheep bring about $3.45 a pound. So sale is an option. Um, Would like to find the owners. But in all of that, I was thinking about how Isaiah reflects on our human nature. That we all, like sheep, have gone astray. Every one to his own way. And how many times do I, as a wandering sheep, go through the boundary or the barrier that my good shepherd has established for my good and wander into something else because I think it's better, only to find out later that God knew best all along. I'm not sure that's the case with these sheep. I think they're just looking for grass. But I am reminded of the gentleness and the goodness of our good shepherd. And we'll continue this morning as we look at the the whole theme of who is your one 
of a shepherd that still is in the business of going out and finding lost sheep. And here's the exciting part. He chooses to let you and I be a part of the process. That because we follow after Jesus, we get to have a hand in God's work to reach out to our friends, our co-workers, our family members. And so when you think about who's the one person that God identifies for me, it narrows our focus. It helps us to be intentional. But hopefully, over time, while we're still intentional with one, we'll look out and we'll see all of those hurting people around us. We'll pray for the Lord to send laborers into the harvest and we'll take up our responsibility to do our job as well. So last week we looked at Follow Me. This morning the title is Come and See. Have you ever had something in your life, maybe as a child or as an adult, that you were just so excited about that you couldn't wait to get someone to look at it? Imagine a child that gets a new toy. Hey, Papa, come and see. Or a friend gets a new car, boat, motorcycle. Man, you got to come and see this. Or you walk outside the evening and there's a, a beautiful sunset on the horizon or a rainbow and you, you go round up everybody in the house and like, come on, you got to come and see what is going on outside in the clouds. Or maybe you think about that Samaritan woman that met Jesus in the middle of the day at the well. And after an encounter with Jesus, she runs back to her village and she says, Come and see a man who told me all that I ever did. Could he be the Christ? And this week, we're going to look at the idea that one thing that we can do as disciples is give people the invitation to come and see. In fact, the call to follow Jesus involves inviting others to follow him as well. I want us to read in John chapter 1. We'll continue on where we read from earlier. We read there about Peter and Andrew. And we'll continue on on the day following when Jesus has an interaction with another set of brothers. We'll start reading in verse 43. We'll read down through the end of the chapter. I invite you to follow along in your Bible or the verses will be there on the screen if you want to look there as well. But listen, verse 43, the next day, Jesus decided to go to Galilee. He found Philip and said to him, follow me. Now Philip was from Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter. Philip found Nathanael and said to him, we have found him of whom Moses in the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Nathanael said to him, can anything good come out of Nazareth? Philip said to him, Come and see. Jesus saw Nathanael coming toward him and said to him, Behold, an Israelite indeed in whom there is no deceit. Nathanael said to him, How do you know me? Jesus answered him, Before Philip called you, when you were under the fig tree, I saw you. Nathanael answered him, Rabbi, you are the Son of God. You are the King of Israel. Jesus answered him, Because I said to you, I saw you under the fig tree, do you believe? 
you will see greater things than these. And he said to him, Truly, truly, I say to you, you will see heaven opened and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. You join me as we pray. Lord, we are thankful that we are given the privilege to be here today as your people in this place. We thank you for your word. We thank you for the Spirit, the Holy Spirit you provided to teach us and to make your word known to us. And we thank you for the work that you do in our hearts, in our lives, when your word is proclaimed. So help me to speak clearly and boldly. Help us to hear clearly and humbly. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. So John chapter 1, after John's beautiful description of the coming Messiah, we are introduced to this wild man of faith, John the Baptist, who is proclaiming the coming of the kingdom. And John is gathering together disciples. And two of those disciples, in verse 35 of John 1, says they they meet Jesus and they proclaim, John proclaims, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. And we see the calling of these two brothers, Andrew and Simon Peter. Last week we looked at also James and John being called to follow Jesus. And this week, Jesus focuses attention on another pair of brothers who will answer the call to follow me. Philip and his brother, Nathaniel. And so as we look at their story, my hope is we'll see that the call of being a disciple comes with an exciting job something that we have the privilege of doing, and that's to invite others to follow after Jesus as well. And the simple method of doing it is to share the truth, invite others to consider it, and then pray and trust God for the results. It starts with our acceptance of the invitation to follow, and it leads us to being a part of sharing His good news and inviting others to come and to see. There's an outline in your bulletin that basically walks us through this story. It's fairly simple to understand. The outline's probably even simpler. But the first thing we, we see there in verse 43 is that Jesus found Philip and called him. The next day, Jesus decided to go to Galilee, and he found Philip and said to him, Follow me. Have you noticed as you read through the Gospels, Jesus never wasted a moment. He always had a plan and a purpose. So it's very important that it says he decided to go to Galilee. He had a reason for going there. And the reason he went was he had an appointment with two brothers. See, just the day before, he had found Andrew. And Andrew brought Peter to Jesus. And Jesus invites them, come and you will see. And here in Galilee, he turns to two brothers that are from a place called Bethsaida, which in the language just means fish town. So they were from the fish town, the fish village, and they would be the next disciples. And Jesus looked for Philip and he found him. 
Now that found word is very important. If you read through John chapter 1, you see it over and over again. Found, found, found. It means to, to come upon something you've been searching for. So it means to search out and discover. I found my missing sock. I found my keys. I found the truth. It's the same word, if you remember from history, the great, his, great bathtub historian, great bathtub scientist Archimedes, who realized while bathing that when he got in the water, the water level rose, and then filled with excitement and forgetting his robe, he takes out onto the streets and says, Eureka! Eureka! I found it. It's the same word. And Andrew found Peter and shared exciting words. We have found the Messiah. Now you have to think about it this way. First of all, Jesus found Philip. We think sometimes that we find God or we go looking for God, but it really is God finding us. And so Jesus finds Philip, calls him to follow. Philip accepts the call to be a disciple, submits his life to him, calls him rabbi or teacher, his master. And filled with such excitement and joy, he just can't wait to go and tell his brother. I think you would find it true, and you may have noticed for yourself, I think new believers are probably the best evangelists. They're filled with new life. They're filled with excitement. They don't know any better because they haven't been in church. And they can't wait to tell other people the good news. This is what the Lord has done for me. And I wrote a question down this morning, and maybe this is for you. Could it be that this morning you need a fresh meeting with Jesus? Do you mean to meet Jesus all over again? Like it was the very first time. Or maybe you're in a different position where maybe today you need to meet Jesus for the very first time. Oh, that the Lord would give us a freshness in our relationship. A joy for His presence, a delight in His worship and His singing to His name. Uninhibited before Him that when we worship it's just us and the Lord and nobody else matters. We sing as loud as we want to. We move in the way we want to. We raise our hands. We clap. We rejoice because our worship is to our God. Oh, Lord, give us a fresh encounter with you each and every day. So we see that, first of all, that Jesus finds this man, Philip. But then we see, in turn, that Philip found Nathaniel and invited him. We touched on it briefly. You read about it in verse 45. Philip found Nathanael and said to him, We have found him of whom, the, whom Moses in the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus Nazareth of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. He couldn't wait to share this exciting news. Hey, Nathanael. The Messiah that we read about in the Old Testament, He's here in Galilee. 
I found him. The one that Moses wrote about. The one that the Old Testament prophets spoke about. The one who is coming. He is here. He is the Messiah. And guess what? He's that Joseph from Nazareth, the the carpenter's son. From that lowly little village in Nazareth. So the good news is shared, but you can probably admit if you've ever shared the gospel with anyone that some, many, many times the gospel is often met with skepticism. What are you talking about? Can this really be true? Maybe they've had a bad experience. Maybe they're just angry or upset. And Nathaniel's quick to question the truth that his brother shares. His question, forty-six, verse 46, can anything good come out of Nazareth? I mean, after all, in those days, Nazareth was a little bitty town. It was not very important. And the Jews not only looked down on the town, but they also looked down on anyone who was from there. So for something, for someone to come out of Nazareth, that would be a big surprise. But for the Messiah himself to come from little, bitty, lowly Nazareth was hard to believe. It was incredible. And it reminded me that when we consider the things of God, it's hard for the human mind to understand God's ways. In fact, the Bible says it's impossible. It takes God to do a spiritual work for us to understand spiritual things. It takes God's Spirit to move and work in a person's life. That's why prayer is so important. Now, I'm not saying apologetics aren't important. I'm not saying arguing about the faith is not does not have a place. But I'm going to tell you the number one way that you and I will reach our neighbors, that will reach the lost, is through the place of prayer. It's through praying for the Lord to open blind eyes by His Spirit. Because so many are, are quick to dismiss the truth. Oh, I don't believe that. Now others, they want to argue about it. And that's where they'll invite an apologetic person. They're like, oh, come on, you know, let's argue. And they love to argue. Some people just choose to ignore it. They'll walk away from you or they'll change the topic. But in my experience, and probably some of yours, arguing about the truth just usually offends someone or makes them angry. Pleading and begging might achieve an emotional response initially, but they seldom achieve the right result. Logic and cleverness are of little value. I think when you look at those men like Lee Strobel and you look at those that have written careful accounts of searching to disprove God and in the process they realize God is real, that it's not so much the logical process of those gentlemen. Josh McDowell is another man. It's not so much their, their cleverness of their argument. It's in reading that story that underneath that story you realize that in searching to prove something untrue, the God who wants to be known revealed Himself as who He claimed to be. God finds us more than we find Him. 
You see, the key for the truth to enter into someone's life is that God must open their hearts, open their minds. In Acts chapter 16, you have this wonderful story of Paul going to this lady named Lydia, the city of Thyatira, this wealthy woman who sells purple. And in verse 16, chapter 16, verse 14, there's a phrase that I think is so important. The Lord opened her heart to pay attention to what was said by Paul. Wasn't that Paul had clever words? He was definitely a very smart man. But it was in that moment, because he was listening to the voice of the Spirit, he was in the right place at the right time, that God opened the heart of a woman to receive the truth. The same thing's true today. We share the truth, and God opens hearts. It's the work of the Holy Spirit to convict individuals of sin, to convince us of the claims of Scripture. Our job is to just be a witness. And when we catch a glimpse of what it means to be a witness, it makes the process so much easier because it relieves the burden. We don't have a responsibility to save anyone. We can't save anybody. But we can be a witness And Philip gives Nathaniel, his brother, a simple invitation to consider the truth for himself. So Nathaniel throws up the question, can anything good come out of Nazareth? Philip's response, well, let's talk about Nazareth for a minute. Let me tell you some good things about Nazareth. No, he didn't do that. He didn't get on to his brother. Now, Nathaniel, you're you're skeptical of everything. You never listen. No, there wasn't a rebuke. He didn't try to argue about it. He politely invited Nathaniel to investigate the truth about Jesus with a simple phrase, come and see. See, as disciples, we we share the truth of the gospel. We tell others who Jesus is and what he has done for us and what he can do for them. We invite other people to consider it for themselves. And we pray and we trust the rest to God. We trust in the power of the gospel. Romans 1.16, Paul wrote, I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. Our job is to share the truth, deliver the message, and it's God's job to save. J.C. Ryle wrote these words, and maybe it's encouraging to you, the man or woman who does most good for souls, is often the simple believer who says to his friends, I have found the Savior. Come and see Him. Simply sharing the truth. Philip found Nathaniel. But then, in verses 47 and 48, we see another wonderful part of the story. Jesus saw Nathaniel. And when Jesus saw him, he recognized who he was and exactly what he needed. He does the same to you and me. Look at verse 47. Jesus saw Nathanael coming toward him and said of him, Behold, an Israelite indeed in whom there is no deceit. Obviously, he could see Nathanael approaching. That just required human eyes. But with his 
spiritual eyes. He recognized that this man, Nathaniel, was a man without hidden motives. He was a straightforward, straight-up person. He was open to truth, but he needed plain, simple answers to convince him. He was sincere, and he was sensible, and he was seeking. And it reminded me of this, and, and I don't know if you find this to be true, but I think there are many more people around us who are willing to consider the claims about Jesus than we give the opportunity. Now, how am I, what am I saying? I'm saying sometimes we say no for people before we share the truth about Jesus. They're not interested. They're going to make fun of me. They don't care. And we don't give them the opportunity. Those people who we think wouldn't be interested might be the ones who are most interested. So as you're on mission, as you're on the mission field for the Lord, don't dismiss those people based on their appearance. Engage in conversation. See what God will do. Let Him do His work. And Jesus sought out Nathaniel. And Nathaniel had a decision to make. Would he follow? And being a straightforward kind of guy, Nathaniel asked Jesus an honest question. How do you know me? How do you know me? I mean, Nathaniel had just met this man, Jesus. How could he possibly know anything about him? How could he know what his character was, what kind of man he was? There was only one possible explanation. He had to be God. He was the Messiah that was promised. And just as he does you and me, Jesus knew Nathaniel before he was born. Jeremiah 1.5 says, Before we were even knit together in our mother's womb, he knew us. He knew everything about Nathaniel, just like he knows everything about us. And when Jesus saw Nathaniel under that fig tree, he saw him both inside and out. He saw him from the very beginning of his existence to that day that he was under the fig tree. He saw what he could be if he chose to follow after Jesus. I was reminded, and I think we need to remember, Jesus sees you today. He sees your family, your friends, your neighbors. He sees you physically. He knows your makeup. He knows the hairs on your head. He knows how many, you know, he knows how tall you are, how much you weigh, how you feel, how you look. He knows us spiritually. He knows the condition of our hearts, which we can easily deceive and, and hide from others, at least for a time. God sees to the very core of us what we are spiritually. And he sees us completely from head to toe, top to bottom, inside and out. Nothing escapes His vision. But here's the best part. Jesus sees you compassionately. He sees what you are and what you are not, but He also sees what you can be in Him, and He comes searching after us with loving intent. It's my salvation. It's His love gift to us. He sees our greatest need, and He knows He has the only 
remedy because of his great love. God sent Jesus to be our Savior. And he still calls out to men, women, children to put their faith in him. So we see Jesus calling out to Nathaniel. And there's only one part of the story we left we need to, to discover, and that's to answer the question, how will Nathaniel respond? Look at verse 49. Nathaniel professed faith in Christ. It's the fourth item in your outline. Nathaniel answered him, Rabbi, you are the Son of God. You are the King of Israel. Without a doubt, a very clear declaration of faith in Jesus. First of all, you are the Son of God. Jesus is divine. Jesus is God. He is the one that there is no other like. He is holy. He is righteous. He is faithful. He is true. And He is loving. Jesus is God. But also, Jesus, You are the King of Israel. Interesting statement. It's a Jewish term for the coming Messiah, that the King of Israel would come. It's clearly indicating that Nathaniel recognizes that this man, Jesus, who he calls rabbi or teacher, is the Messiah that was promised in the Old Testament. He's absolutely who the prophets wrote about. And in this story, we see this beautiful combination. We see God's promise at work. We see man's obedience. Not only to follow, but to go and tell others. And the result is another disciple is introduced into God's kingdom. See, Philip meets Jesus. Philip invites Nathaniel to come and see Jesus. Nathaniel investigates for himself. Jesus calls Nathaniel and Nathaniel responds. The gospel transforms lives. It gives you a story to tell. And there are times when we're faithful in our sharing to do what God calls us to do that He gives us the privilege to witness His work to change a life. Oh, how sweet it is. When the light switch comes on, the light bulb is lit, the heart is inflamed with the wonderful truth that God loves me and I'm a sinner, but He has everything I need. I will turn and put my trust in Him. What a wonderful moment that is to see a new believer birthed into the kingdom. But Jesus goes on to tell Nathaniel that this decision to follow him was just the beginning of the adventure. Look at verse 50. Jesus answered him, Because I said to you, I saw you under the fig tree, do you believe? You will see greater things than these. And if you read through the record of John, as you read through the very intentionally placed stories of the signs and the wonders, you will see those greater things than these be revealed not only to those 12 disciples, but to any who would seek after Him. So now that Nathaniel knew Jesus, 
he would begin to grow in his faith. He would come to know Jesus more and more as they spent time together. He would experience more of his presence. He would see more of his mighty works. And his life would bring glory to God. But then in verse 51, he gives him a little more of the picture. He said to him, Jesus again speaking to Nathaniel, truly, truly. It's the first time in John we have that double you know, phrase, truly, truly. If you have the, some other translations like the King James, verily, verily. A very clear call to attention of truth. I say to you, you will see heaven opened and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. That image comes from Genesis chapter 28. If you remember Jacob's encounter with the Lord, Jacob falls asleep and has a dream. He sees this ladder or this stairway that reaches from the ground into the heaven, and he sees angels ascending and descending from heaven. It was a picture to Jacob of the connection that God would have with His people, His presence. And when we get to the New Testament, we see that Jesus is represented in that ladder because He came to earth to be the once and for all connection between earth and heaven. That He bridged the gap. He is the one mediator between God and man. Samara and I were having a discussion yesterday. It might be something you might find interesting as well to think about the different times that in the life of Jesus that angels were present. Present at His birth. They ministered to Him in the wilderness. They strengthened Him in the garden. They were involved in those proclamations at the transfiguration to look at those things, to see that physically, you know, you would imagine Nathaniel looking back and thinking, okay, I remember when Jesus told me I see angels ascending and descending from heaven and going in glory to God. And oh my gosh, here it is. Here it is. Here it is. He wasn't there at the birth, but after that. And so these 12 disciples, as they traveled with Jesus, they heard his words. They saw the miracles, experienced the healings. They would see him bring the dead back to life. They would see him die. But they would see Him fulfill His promise to be resurrected and alive again. And what one man wrote is what Jesus promises His disciples is confirmation that the one they acknowledged at the Messiah had been appointed by God. So it's confirmation to Nathaniel and his brother Philip that Yes, you're right. Jesus is the Son of God and you will see Him do greater things than spotting you under a tree. And when you make that wonderful decision to follow after Jesus, you begin to experience His presence and His power. And over time, we see His glory and we have opportunity to be His witnesses. See, the call to follow after Jesus involves inviting others to follow Him as well. It's part of our responsibility. Last week we started to think about 
Hoosier one. Thinking about this question for a minute, what if every believer could answer that question, who's your one person, with a name of a person who's far away from God, and commit to praying for that person and seeking to share the gospel with that person? What if you focus on one person that you know and see very often? Pray for them. Spend time with them. And when God gives the opportunity, you just simply tell them about Jesus. Allow them to consider and trust God to do His work. Now let me ask you two questions, and then we're, we're going to pray and we're done. First question is, has Jesus found you? It's a question about personal relationship. You know, do you have that personal relationship with Jesus? You may think it's silly, you know. Well, you look around, it's the same 75 people here, 70 people that were here last week. Why does he say that again? Because I'm determined to be persistent in presenting the truth because you could sit here a long time. You could know more about the Bible than I know, have way more experiences in church, serve on way more committees, may have done more many things. There could be somebody that never experienced salvation by simply putting faith in Jesus. Always been in church. Can't never remember not being in church. I was born in the church. All those things are great. They feed faith, but they don't save anyone. It's a personal relationship with Jesus. So has Jesus found you? That's a loaded question because if Jesus has found you, it comes with a responsibility. That responsibility is to be a disciple, to be on mission for Him. It's not a call to sit back and do nothing. It's a call to to serve, to love, to go and to share. And that leads to the second question, who will you find? We see these wonderful examples in the in the lives of these three pairs of brothers, Peter, Andrew, James, John, Philip, and Nathaniel. And you have one brother in each of these cases going and finding the other. Who will you find? Or maybe a better way to say that is to pray to God, God, who will you lead me to? Open my eyes and help me be obedient. Help me to find my one and to reach out to that person for the hope of their salvation and for the glory of your name. Would you join me as we pray? Lord Jesus, as we look at these stories, we are amazed at your commitment to us, your love for us. Oh Lord, to be found by you is life-changing. It is life itself. To answer your call to follow is a commitment to to live our life in your power, in your life, in your name. To follow your directives, to be a part of your mission. As we consider these two questions, has Jesus found us? Have we heard his call and answered, yes, we will follow you. 
Lord, help us to see what it means like to follow you in 2022 in Burleson, Joshua, Alvarado, Crowley, Texas. And Lord, we would also be intentional, persistent, and compassionate in sharing your good news. Simply come and see. Who will we find? Who will you lead us to? Give us willingness where there's unwillingness. Give us boldness where there's fear. Give us encouragement where there's discouragement. And give us joy where there's sorrow and hope where there's hopelessness. Thank you, Lord, for loving us. Thank you for being the good shepherd that searches out the lost sheep. For using us for your mission. To help us to carry it out for your glory. For the good of those around us. For the salvation of the world. We pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Maybe this morning you, you know, you need to answer that question. Has you've answered? Has Jesus found you? Well, I don't think so. And you could confirm that today. Today can be the first day of the best part of your life of living in Jesus, faith in Christ. Simply just saying, Jesus, I need you. I'm turning from my sin. I'm turning from myself. I'm repenting, and I'm turning to you. I'm trusting and putting my faith in you. Can be today. Maybe you weren't here last week and you didn't get an opportunity to, to say this is my one and this is what I'm committing to, to pray for, to reach out to during these next m- month or so. So maybe today is that day. You nail that down and you select that person. You find your one. Or maybe you've just been so overwhelmed by the love and the grace of Jesus that it's your intention to abandon yourself to him and to his mission. Say, Jesus, I want you to have all of me. I'm part of just half commitment. I'm part of playing games. I'm part of just being church. I want to be a follower of Jesus. I want to follow you. Or maybe you just need that boldness that he can provide and the willingness to go and to be a part of his mission where you can share the story and just say, come and see. Inviting people to know the truth about Jesus. Perhaps there's a burden on your heart you need to pray for. Just remember the front's open, or you can ask someone to pray with you, or I'll be at the front to pray as well. But I do ask you to stand. We're going to sing together. And as we sing, trust the Lord will guide us as we respond to his voice. Let's sing together. There is a truth older than the ages. There's a promise, things yet to come. There is one born for our salvation. Jesus. There is a light. 
tell Wayne and Betty want to all come up here in just a second. This is Wayne and Betty Wilson. And um, you may have noticed that they've visited with us for several weeks, months, months yeah. And <laughs> Betty brought the chalk. So if you got to make a chalkboard, you know, Betty did that. And um, so they visited very faithful. And they're coming here this morning just to present themselves and say they would like to be a part of our fellowship here at Cross Timber. Um, and so they're going to, they're coming by a letter from first from Lakeview Lakeview Baptist Church, and so um, I can tell by your applause that y'all are excited. So, um, what would be your just your pleasure concerning that? Would to welcome them as fellowship? Would y'all just join me in saying praise the Lord, praise the Lord? So Wayne, Betty, we are excited um, for you guys to be a part of our church family, and um, and after you finish filling out your 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 one page paperwork, no. Well, well, you'll be, no, it'll be official. No, we are excited that you would join us here. And um, when we're finished, we want y'all to either hang out up here, hang out the back, because we know folks are going to want to come by and, and just welcome you and just say we're excited. But y'all can have a seat for now and finish, and we are so excited um, to have them. Praise the Lord as he adds to the body. Um, before we go, um, Bob has um, come forward, and, and Bob was, was asking us as, our, as his church family to pray for him. Um, and so um, I'm gonna gonna grab a chair here. And um, Bob's been having some health difficulties, and um, just asked for us to to pray. And I told him yes, we would. And so um, if you, as church family, would like to to gather around, um, deacons, um, y'all come up here, and y'all be sure and put a hand on him. And then men and ladies, y'all gather around, and we will. Um, just lift our our voices and, and our hearts to the Lord as we, we pray for our brother.
Lord, we are privileged to come before our God and Maker on behalf of our brother, Bob. We are thankful that you are our creator, that you are a healer, that you know us from the top of our head to the tips of our toes. Lord, we're thankful that, that you know what's best and you know how to work best, that you are the, the great physician, that you are the healer. So, Lord, we, we come before you, Lord, as um, your word says, to, to pray for those who are sick, to lay hands on, to anoint with oil, and to ask you, oh, Father, to, to move and to work. God, there are things that, that medical people can know and do, and we are thankful for that. We're thankful for technology, for diagnosis, and for medication. And Lord, we do thank you that you give wisdom to doctors and that you give knowledge. And we do pray for knowledge and wisdom and understanding for every care person, for every test, for every doctor that would, would examine Bob. But Lord, also we pray for you as your, his healer, his Lord, to, to touch his body, to bring healing and refreshing, to bring strength and renewal, Lord, to his, his heart, to his lungs, to his legs, to his circulatory system. Lord, that you would restore energy and strength. Lord, that you would give him joy in the midst of difficulty. You would give him rest in the middle of, of his, his tiredness. Lord, you would give him a joy and a testimony as he walks through this that would give him opportunity to give glory to his God. And Lord, we call on you. Lord, asking you to do what is best and ask you to do what only you can do to work your healing in him. We thank you for your servant. We thank you for his willingness to serve. We thank you for his humbleness. We thank you for his love. Thank you for what a blessing he is to our bodies. And God, we thank you that as much as we think about him, Lord, it only begins to be just a small amount of what you think about him. That he is your servant. He is your child. And Lord, we trust him to you and ask for your strength and your healing. In Jesus' name, amen. While you're finding your way back to your seats, um, we, um, we're excited. You know, we have had some folks in our, in our mission house from time to time, and we get to know different families, and it's always great to have um, repeat visitors. And, and so um, some of you may not know um, our repeat visitors, but Murray and Cheryl Greenwood are back um, in our mission house. They serve in Ecuador, um, and, and no matter if you, if you know them as, you know, Tabitha, Elizabeth, and John Michael's parents... Um, the reason that Tabitha, John Michael, and Elizabeth are the way they are, personality inside and out, is because of these two individuals. Um, they provided the genetics that made them who they are, and they are just as fun, as exciting as those three. And so um, we are excited to have you um, in our mission house. We're excited to have you here with us this morning, and um, during the months that they're here, um, hopefully you know, we'll get to 
fellowship with them and get to know them better. But they serve in store. Murray is a, a Bible teacher and a pediatrician, and um, they, uh, it's a joy to have them here. So we welcome you, and we're glad you're here this morning, and it's glad to have you all. Why don't you all join in standing? You can clap. Go ahead and clap. I'm sure you'll want to take opportunity to, to welcome Murray and Cheryl, welcome Wayne and Betty um, to our fellowship. We're going to sing together, and once we start singing, you are free to go. So Lord bless you. Oh, 